everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando on one episode 383. And this yeah. is a different kind of episode. So tell yeah, us, I mean, Mike, what's going on? So it's a different episode, but it's like a uh, it's like a, a return to the past. You know, like we've got we've got this third wheel on here. What's up with that? You know, Pierce Podcast is growing over here. Uh, so we've got one of our, you know, OG longtime listeners and now in his own right, a very successful not only reseller, but a successful social media reseller. And we are so excited to have Wayne uh, at K-Way Shop on. Man, it is, uh, it, it's kind of almost surreal talking to you in real life because I feel like I've had so many interactions with you, you know, whether it's, you know, been on chats or various things. And now it's like, man, you're here, you're on the show. Uh, and we are definitely looking forward to this. I appreciate you guys having me on. And and here's the, here's the interesting scenario. I kind of wanted to the fact that we're increasing the size of podcasts but this is how this is an original interview like the fact that wayne is on we're bringing you guys him on the podcast because he's a real reseller he's legitimate i think he's going to bring a lot of great things for you to apply in your own reselling maybe a little bit of social media and uh, he has some big goals and so uh i know i know mike was supposed to throw this and i just interrupted but uh uh tell us a little bit about who you are wayne yeah, for sure. Um, well, first off, I want to say I appreciate you guys for having me on. You guys are like OGs. I've been talking to a lot of people about the opportunity to possibly come on this podcast. And I remember back in the day, I think I started with episode three, back when I was a mailman. And I went back and watched ep- or listened to episode two and episode one. I don't even know if you guys were putting them on YouTube back then, but I was. I listened to basically every episode. I remember I'd start my mornings at the post office on Wednesday mornings. I think you guys upload like around 12 o'clock my time and I'd wait for the episode to come out and I would listen to it be like midday and I'd get my Pure Hustle podcast in. But I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for being so consistent on what you guys do every single week. You guys add knowledge to the community that is needed. It's raw. It's authentic. And I think a lot of people enjoy what you guys do. So I just want to give you guys your flowers first before we start talking about me because you guys deserve it. You guys are awesome. But Oh, as, as, we'll have you back after that. Yeah. After that, uh, we'll definitely have you back. Let's go. That's how, that's all you have to do is you just got to talk them up. You're good to go. But um, yeah, I uh, so Appreciate about me, you. a little bit about me. Um, I I'm on social media now everywhere. I think a lot of people have seen my videos. They're on TikTok. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. But I started reselling back in the day. Um, I actually watched Rally Roots was my first like step into reselling. I saw one of their videos. I went down a rabbit hole. I was looking for like information on how to re information on a side hustle. And I came across Rally Roots' channel and I was like everybody else, like everybody who watches my videos, like this guy's going to a thrift store and he's buying used clothing and reselling them online for a product. There's no way, there's no way this is possible. So I watched all the episodes because I was like, I'm intrigued. I want to see if this actually works. And then I was like halfway convinced um, after I watched all their episodes and so I started selling stuff in my house, just like they said in one of their episodes, buy stuff, take stuff in your house that you're not using anymore and flip it online for a profit. So I did that and stuff sold. So I was like, okay, this works. So I took that money and then I went to a Goodwill and I bought a bunch of clothing from Goodwill. And uh, 
I listed it and within a week, a couple items sold. And I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Like now this stuff is selling. This obviously makes sense. Um, and I did that while I was uh, working at the post office. I did that um, part-time, but almost full-time. Like basically I would come home and I'd spend four hours every single night reselling. And then I would go out on my days off and source all day long. I would stop on the way home from, from the post office and grab some items. And uh, I, I did it for, I think it was three years before I went full-time, three full years. Cause I actually was making more money reselling than I was at the post office. And at that point in time, I decided to, to take the leap and I'm glad I did. And now we're here. We're on Pure Hustle Podcast. That's, that's, how, that's how you get on here. Yeah. That's crazy. And you know, it's funny is I remember back in the early days, uh, Orlando and I would say things about, you know, like the post office and problems with mail. And, and he'd make comments like, you know, we have listeners who work at the post office and it's, it's, it's a, here you are, you're, you're, you're the, you're our post office man. Uh, and I'm sure we should have you on sometime. Um, unless you sign some kind of uh, NDA when you left. Have the post me office. On. I'll talk all about it. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to hear some of the behind the scenes of, of just the shipping and how the, that whole process works. But uh, man, so y- you know, we've, we've seen you go from, you know, being part-time to being full-time and doing well in the social media stuff. But I think what's really kind of got my uh, interest right now is you've got this huge audacious goal of trying to pay off your house in like a short amount of time. I think the, the, the thing you're going with is 130,000 in 130 days. And to be honest, you hear something like that. It seems wild. I think it is a little wild, but that's also the kind of thing that gets somebody like doing what needs to be done. And so uh, I want to hear more about that. Like, how is that going? What made you make such an audacious goal? What made you decide to go down and and really hustle that hard? And would you recommend that for other people? Um, before, yeah. Real quick, before you step though, there's some it's not a that, podcast, before, by the before, way, unless Orlando interrupts you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, because I always have these ideas because I'm always I want to bring the audience to where you're at because it's not like you just went part-time, full-time, and now you're 130K in 130 days. There's some other things that you took care of before that probably motivated you. Had you not taken care of those other items, you probably wouldn't think this was possible, right? So there, there's an in-between there that we're missing. Am I correct? Yeah. So you're talking about paying off uh, certain things and correct, getting correct. certain things lined up. So um, yeah, be, like all my cars are paid off. Um, I don't have, um, if I do use a credit card, I always pay it off that same month. And I think that's key. I think a lot of people use debt as leverage and that's one, it, it can be good. Debt as leverage can be good. But um, when you're wanting to do this full time, you need to have a stockpile behind you of money to keep you going. You need to have that in your back of your mind before you quit your full-time job. And that's what I did before I ever quit my full-time job. That's what I was saying. I made enough income to pay all my bills before I left my job. And I also used my reselling income for about three months and put all my post office income aside. So I knew that I was going to be able to do my full, uh, to do this full-time. But yes, um, what you're touching on is hundred percent correct. You, you need to, you can use debt as leverage, but, um, being able to do this um, with no debt is much easier, and that's how you know th- this goal came about. And I think I think that's going to help me complete this goal for sure. So now let's get to the goal. So talk to us about the goal. Yep, 130k in 130 days um, has a nice ring to it. Um, I remember uh, me and uh, my friend Chris at Peak, who also does whatnot shows. We always brainstorm every single night. Chris messages me and we do voice messages back and forth and we throw ideas at each other and we try to grow our businesses. And he's one of my best buddies. And I, I appreciate that. I, 
the heck out of that. I can't cuss on this podcast. I appreciate the heck out of that. But um, I remember we were throwing ideas around. And after we had a conversation, I went to bed that night. And I was just thinking like, what's something in the new year that I can try to do? I always set goals for myself, but they're easy goals. That way I know I can achieve them. And it feels good when you achieve like certain goals. Like the year before I had a goal of getting to a hundred thousand followers on my Facebook account. And I got that by like mid year and I was like, okay, I'm set. And I, I want to do something crazy this year to start the year that would also bring in traffic to my social media accounts and to my, my whatnot business. So, um, I came up with that goal and it was actually going to be 130K in 90 days. But then I sat back and I started doing the numbers and I was like, there's no way. It just can't. It would be it would be almost impossible. Unless I did like 250 item shows every single night. I was like, okay, 130K in 130 days gives me four months and it allows me to take a month off in April for my anniversary. So I had to factor all that into, into that. Um, not a month off, a week off, sorry. A week off in April for my anniversary. So, um, yeah, it, it's exactly what Mike was saying. It's ambitious and it gets people in. Like there's been so many people reaching out to me just because of those videos and just because of that goal, because it seems, it seems unachievable. But if you dive deep into my numbers, which I will gladly share, I do it on my lives. I do it everywhere. Um, it is achievable based off my numbers, but it requires a ton of hard work. It's not going to be easy. It already is showing that it's not going to be easy, but as we're going, we're getting better at what we're doing. And I think, I think I'm going to be able to achieve it, but it's going to require a lot of hard work. And at the end, if I don't achieve it, by the way, and if I have a hundred thousand in my bank account, instead of 130,000, still a win, <laughs> can't, can't <laughs> lose. But yeah, that's how the goal came about. It was just me throwing ideas back and forth with my, one of my friends. And, and, uh, now, uh, now we're here and it's, it's been a ride for sure. Yeah. Now from your experience, cause I know, uh, one of the things like that psychologists or whoever, whoever they are, you know, the people who know what they're talking about, uh, they'll say things like you should uh, not, you know, tell your goals to people because people who you know share their goals, they kind of get that same dopamine hit as if they accomplish the thing. Uh, but at the same time, there's that accountability aspect. Like you've now made this claim. And the reality is, it, it, like you said, if you, if you fail at this, like you, you're still going to be accomplishing you know, an incredible feat, and it's still going to be moving you in the direction you want to go. So there really is no failure there. Uh, but do you feel like setting this goal and having like the breakdown of, okay, here's how much I need to make each show each night. Um, is that enough to keep you going and, and, and driven when you're like not feeling it or, or do you feel like, um, you know, setting the goal, you know, is, is, I don't want to say like a, just, just a publicity stunt, but like, do you feel like you, you got the goal, but you're, you don't have that desire? Like I have to get this, or do you feel like this, this innate desire? Like I've got to achieve this now. Or I've got to be moving towards this. Yeah. Um, I'm very competitive. So now that I put that goal out there, I think that I have to achieve it. Like in the back of my mind, if I, if, if, even if I come up 10,000 short, I feel like that is not completing the goal and I'll actually feel bad about it, but that, that, uh, that's the accountability I need. And that's the, you know, putting out the numbers and doing lives every day and having people ask me where I am on the challenge that keeps me going hard. If I, if I didn't, then I, I would just stop. I would do a couple shows here and there. I'd get uh, some money in my bank account and then I would stop because nobody knew what my actual goal was. I think too, um, I, I love to, I love to inspire people. I think a lot, that's why a lot of people follow me is because they've seen the journey. They've seen where I've come from and where I am. I used to do lives on TikTok and have five people in there. Now I do lives on TikTok and Facebook and YouTube. And I have 400 people watching me at one time on all the platforms. Like people like seeing the growth. 
and um, people get inspired by it. And I hope this journey inspires at least one person to pay off their car or pay off their credit card or something, use reselling to do that. And it also helps this kind of goal is something that everybody can relate to. Everybody wants to pay off their mortgage. So not only am I hitting the reselling community with this, but I'm also hitting everybody out there as soon as it gets on their feed and they say, this guy wants to pay off his mortgage in 130, 130K in 130 days. I want to do that too. And uh, it will reach a completely different audience and bring them into my social. So it's not only marketing, but it's also you know inspiring and uh, it keeps me accountable at the same time. All right. So I want to skip around. I know we have like these set of questions, but you know, what, what continually is in the background for me when I hear your story and I, I you know, I, on my burner account, I do watch your live sometimes. Let's go. I know. I non, just, you're a non count. I, I, uh, well, I just don't, you know, I, I don't want to get on there and, and take, take the focus away from, from Wayne or actually, which wouldn't cause Wayne's actually bigger than us now, but anyways, I, I wouldn't I didn't do that. I just, I just enjoy watching it. You know, it, sometimes in the morning I'll wake up, and I'm like, man, this guy's thrifty and I'm just getting out of bed. Now, granted, you are in Florida, so you're three hours ahead. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I watch this and, you know, if you follow everything right now with with what's going on with reselling, right? And, and we do it ourselves, too. Like, it seems to me like this is one of the worst times to have a goal like that, right? As far as what's being said on social media. Now, I will say on my own in the last week, I kind of recognized the reason I was doing poorly was partly my fault. Like I was just being lazy. I was burnt out. I wasn't listening. I wasn't sourcing consistently. I kind of was just hoping to, you know, just live out the fruits of my labor from like the last year and it wasn't kicking in. And so I I got motivated and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't care. I'm up against the wall. I need to make things happen. But there's a lot of resellers right now. I I believe that even listen to our podcast and maybe it's partly our fault too, (laughs) that feel like, man, right now everything's brutal. The market's down. The macroeconomics aren't good. eBay keeps glitching. eBay keeps doing this and that. You know, so why now, Wayne? Do you like of all the times you decide to do this now? Well, I can't wait 10 years until the market gets better. I mean, this is this is the best time for me to, to start out and do it. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of like in your situation where you know, they're, they're doing something to hurt their business. They're not being consistent or they're not picking up the right items. Um, I think, I think too, a lot of people came into reselling in 2021 when they were stuck at home and they were watching these videos online and everything was selling. So they're going to the bins and they're buying these vintage t-shirts and they were selling for a hundred bucks and they're still trying to sell the same vintage t-shirts for a hundred dollars that are only going for 15 because the market is tanked on vintage t-shirts. Um, they don't adjust their business. And one thing I always say on my lives is I give this example is in, in during when COVID happened, um, there's businesses that change their models completely. Walmart would rather you or Publix or any supermarket would rather you come into the store and shop the store because you're going to pass by, you're going to smell the bakery, you're going to go to the back of the store to get the milk and and you're going to make impulse buys all the way through. But now they have, you, you literally shop on your phone, you pull up, you don't even go in the store. So they had to completely switch their business model around to fit what the model is currently. And I think a lot of people have a struggle doing that. Um, I was kind of like Orlando in the case where I would list items super duper high back in the day. And I would just wait for that right buyer. Even if somebody offered me $10 off my price and I had it listed for a hundred, I'd be like, I know that thing's worth a hundred dollars. So I'm going to wait for that. Nowadays, if I bought something for $5 and I get a $50 offer on it, I'm going to take it because I'm, I'm trying to move the inventory out and whatnot has definitely helped me with that. 
But I think that's where most people, most people don't adjust their business to the the circumstances they're currently in. And that's where we are. I think volume selling is where we should be, where everybody should be at right now. There's certain pieces you should hold on to away for full price, but you should be trying to move your stuff quickly in and out, in and out. Especially when people don't have a lot of money in their pockets, they're looking to get the best deal possible. And you got to execute on that and just go out and get some more stuff and sell it quickly. Um, That's where I think, that's why I think about that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate too hearing, uh, you know, where you were at as far as, um, you know, uh, the types of selling and how you listed items and weighted kind of like we've talked about in the past, the, the slow dime versus the, the fast nickel approach. Uh, but now you're utilizing whatnot a lot. So I'm just curious, what, what is your, and, and especially for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the type of selling you do, or maybe aren't following you yet. Uh, but out of curiosity, what, what is your model? Like, how are you selling items? Where are you sourcing items? Uh, what's the platform you're selling them on? What is it? What does a day in uh, K-Way Shop's life look like? Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, let's talk about the models where I sell. So I sell on whatnot, eBay and Poshmark. I kind of dropped Mercari because last year it was only 5.6% of my sales, um, based on my spreadsheet. So it really doesn't make sense to list there anymore. The only reason I'm listing on Poshmark right now is because you can take your Poshmark listings and move them over to whatnot on the whatnot platform. You just put in your, uh, handle and you can bring, bring all your listings over. So it makes sense to keep it there just in case I want to pull listings over to whatnot super fast. Um, but right now I'm focused on whatnot, um, because whatnot is going to help me complete that 130 K and 130 day challenge. Um, if you can build up a following on whatnot, you can basically, I can go thrifting and I can grab a cart full of items. I can put my camera up in, in the parking lot, put good, goodwill in the background and sell those 10 items in five minutes and then go home, pack them up and ship them out. If you can build a following, you can, you, you can do that. And I, I hear a lot of people say like you, the only be the only way to be successful on whatnot is to have a social media presence. Yes. And no, um, there's people out there. I always shout out ZK styles. ZK styles does not have a following outside of whatnot that is as big as her whatnot, maybe a little bit more now on Instagram, but when she first started, she didn't have a following. She's killing it on whatnot. Um, but whatnot is like having your own brick and mortar. If you don't advertise it, nobody's going to know you're going to have a show. Nobody's going to know what you're going to have in your show. Whereas if you list on eBay, eBay advertise everything for you, you can just list it and forget it. Um, but I, 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 Primarily sell on whatnot now simply because with social media, it just is easier to sell there. I can sell stuff super fast. Um, I have a consignment model now. So I do 70 30 splits. People send items to me. I sell them on my whatnot show. Great thing about whatnot is I get paid out immediately. So I can send them their money the very next day or that same day if I get the uh, spreadsheets done. And then we also list on eBay. Um, I have um, my mother in law helping us. I know why you say the word helping now, Orlando, but I have my mother in law helping us and uh, she lists on eBay for us. Um, and, uh, she'll list the items and then I'll just put the prices in them and put them live. We try to do 10 per day, but with this new challenge, we're trying to get in the groove of like loading shows and stuff like that. I go sourcing pretty much one to two days a week. Last couple of weeks has only been one day and that's on Wednesdays where I do my live thrift on TikTok, and I'll be there for like two hours. I'll grab 60 items and those items will be listed on eBay or they will be sold on whatnot within that week. And then um, we'll go out and get another stack of items and do it all over again. Um, one thing I didn't touch on is how I'm going to complete this 130K and 130 day goal. So I have over $100,000 worth of listed in- inventory on eBay right now. I have no debt on that stuff. So I could take all that and run it on whatnot 
course, it's not going to sell for the same price it's going to be listed for on eBay. Well, let's say I get half of that. That's 50K of the challenge completed right there. So I'm going to use some of that inventory to help fuel this fuel this challenge and get the challenge completed. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically, I wake up in the morning, I do my lives, um, my shipping lives. I'll make a video after that. We'll get some listings done, set up a whatnot show. Um, kids come home, hang out with the kids. And then at night, um, we'll do a whatnot show if it's the night that we do whatnot shows or we just, um, just chill out and I'll do some listings and stuff at night if I'm not doing that, or I might do a live at night, just hang out, answer some questions, but it's like a typical, typical day. That's like a lot all in once, but that's like typical for, for me. So how many, how many out, out, I was going to say, how many hours is that? Um, like, w- would you say per week, are you doing a 40 hour week? Are you as a, as a, a reseller, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've worked, you know, 15, 20 hours. Are you putting in way, way more than a typical 40 hour week? Yeah. Um, good question. I get that question a lot. My answer is I probably work 60 to 70 hours a week while Kayla probably works 20 to 30 hours a week. And that's the beautiful thing about this is she can drop what she's doing at any point in time and go to a kid's event, or she gets to be here at all times. When the kids come home, she's always here. She's the one picking them up from school. So I might work a little bit harder, but she doesn't have to work as hard. And we both work. If we even it out, it's both a 40 hour work week. I'm just the one pulling the leg on the business while she's doing the hard work and take care of the kids. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my week in a nutshell, 60 to 70 hours. And for some people that's too much, but I think people that own their businesses and, and run businesses know that you have to work over 40 hours sometimes, especially when you're building it. But I know that in the future, 10 years from now, if I build it up enough and I have a storefront that's running good or I'm still selling online and I have a bunch of employees, I might only work 10 hours a week because I have all my employees doing everything for me and I'm just coming in and making sure everything's run good. So I see the future. I see I see working hard now could potentially be a lot easier later. I'm exhausted just talking to you. So um, <laughs> so let's talk about whatnot because that, that's my biggest hangup. I have not done a whatnot in, uh, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe uh, maybe eight months or nine months. This was my my biggest issue with whatnot. So I ha- we have an audience. We, we, don't, we wouldn't get a ton of people. We maybe get 60 to 100. You're, out, you're saying you're averaging like 400 on your... Are, are you um, averaging like no, no, that's on my on my lives okay. in the morning. On whatnot, we average anywhere between 150 to 200 people, depending on the night. So that's good. That's that's what. Now, my frustration with whatnot, and I know a lot of our listeners may be hearing this, and I'm just maybe I'm just selfishly asking to be inspired by you right now. But I have I I, I would do a whole like say 30 minute right, and I would sell a bunch of hats, and you know it's you're only going to make as much money based on who's in the room who sees something they like or, you know, whatever. Sometimes people buy because, you know, they want to help you out. Whatever the case is, there's buyers. But then I found that the aftermath was just horrendous. Mm. Like having to pack, you know, 20 hats and, you know, in boxes because these, these hats aren't things I would send in a poly mailer, right? So I have to, you know, tape up all these boxes and then I have to print the labels and then I have to drop them off. And it just felt like when I did the math, as far as much I'm making per hour, I wasn't making very much. And I was just like, I could have listed 20 or 30 items in that amount of time, which would have brought me four or five times the same amount of money uh, as I was making on whatnot. So what, what is your reply to that? Okay. So um, obviously the more people you have in your auction, the more money you're going to make. That's just key. You have more buyers. So there's more competition. You run something at a 10 second regular auction and there's constant bids. They keep going up. Obviously you're going to make more money on those items. So I actually 
those three racks right there, there's three racks, 186 clothing items. That's what we're going to run on Tuesday night. So my average sale price on one is $25. Um, really? Right now it's like 25, 86 or something like that. I'm mostly selling clothing and jackets. So they're super easy to ship. I know with hats, you have to take them, you have to uh, put them in a poly bag, then put them in a box. You have to build the box. I just take my clothing items and I throw them in a poly mailer after I put them in a clear poly bag and we ship them out. We shipped out a show, two shows um, this morning, hundred items for each show. And it took us about an hour and 15 minutes with three people. So it does take a while to ship your items. But if you keep your items organized during your show, the aftermath is a lot easier. Um, also, you were saying you're selling hats. Uh, what what would be your average sales price for those hats on eBay? I know you said you sold them for about $10 each. So what would you be your average sales price if you were listed those on eBay? So probably around, you know, if we say average, around $20. I found that on Whatnot, it, I was selling for like 5 to 10 Every once in a while, I would get like a $20 hat, but that was rare. Yeah. And this was during the time when they had the deal where it was like, hey, you buy one, every item after is a dollar, right? Which mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is anymore, but I don't think there's a deal anymore. Okay. So the deal now, it's, it's like Poshmark. Um, you pay up for your first pound. So you pay $8.35 and then between one and five pounds is free shipping. So for stuff that we sell, it, most of our stuff is around 11 ounces. So they could technically buy six items and only pay $8.35 for sh- six mm-hmm. items for shipping. And then yeah. the great thing is you use priority mail um, packaging. So very rarely do I have to use my own packaging. I just use the Tyvek envelopes or I use shoe boxes or large priority mail boxes. Those are like my three go-tos and they just throw them in there. So my packing supplies, most I spend every month on is tape at this point for whatnot, because I use a ton of tape on those Tyvek envelopes because the stickiness sucks on them. That government adhesive is horrible, but um yeah. So your average sale price on those hats were around, you said around $20 on eBay. You, you you shouldn't expect to get that $20 until you build up your audience. So your mindset going into that show should be, my average sale price should be $10 on those hats. So if you sold a hundred hats, you should expect to make a thousand dollars on that show, no matter what, right off the rip. When I bring items to whatnot, certain pieces will go for over eBay prices, very, very few, but most will go about 75 to 50% below eBay prices. So the items that I'm saying, my average sale price is $25. Those same items would sell for around 35 on eBay. So I'm, I know that right off the rip that I'm going to not make eBay prices, but it's quick sales. Just like I said, I can go to a Goodwill, sell those items instantly if I wanted to. And that's so much better than having to list it. I just have to hold it up and say, this is a large Polo Ralph Lauren shirt with a big pony logo on the front. Ready, set, go. 10 seconds, sudden death. Boom, boom, boom. Done. That that one's sold. So that's the benefit of whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I know. I think a lot of people think that they can just go on whatnot and make no post about it and just go live and have 100 people in their room and they're going to sell everything for what eBay prices are. That's just insane. Like I said, it's like having a storefront. If you open up a storefront and you let nobody know what you sell in that storefront, you don't do any advertising and you expect hundreds of people to walk through your front door, it'll never happen. You'll, you'll, your business will go under. Um, and I think that's key to whatnot is advertising. And um, I did an interview with ZK on TikTok and it's up on YouTube. And if you guys want to learn, those of you listening, if you want to learn how to grow your whatnot organically through the whatnot platform, listen to that interview because that's exactly what ZK did. She didn't have any social media. She just participated participate in people's shows, let everybody know when her next show is, kept her cost of goods low. And now when you go to her show, ZK Styles, she kills it. She does. She's selling stuff for 50, 60, 70 bucks, like bam, bam, sudden death, back to back to back um, because she grew her platform. And, and that's what you got to do to be successful and whatnot. 
So one night is what's driving this. So you're 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 on eBay, you're on Poshmark. One night's going to get you to your goal. Yeah. So so last year, a little dip into my numbers. Last year we started doing whatnot in March. We didn't do it for January, February, and we were doing eBay the whole year consistently. Um, whatnot was my best selling platform last year. Um, profit wise, maybe a little bit less than eBay, but I sold more on whatnot. I think I did a hundred and three thousand in sales on, hold on. I can actually pull this up real quick. Um, platforms. I did 112,000 on eBay last year. And then we did 120,000 on whatnot last year. And again, I didn't start it and I really didn't get the hang of it until later in the year too. That's when we really picked up. Um, so yeah, whatnot for sure is going to get me to my goal now because I've, I've not mastered it, but I know what sells well and how to sell it, um, on the platform. Again, just fast sales. You can literally list stuff and I know it's going to sell that same day. That's that's the best part of whatnot. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I mean, I've thought, remember Mike, I've, I've thrown that idea out. If you, you, know, you could just find a location, you can just source one day and come home, run the whatnot, ship it. And, and for a lot of people that are part-time, if they could just do that once a week, They'd have, you know, it would take some time. Obviously, you got to build your audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, maybe it's time for a PHP uh, once a week, uh, whatnot. Now. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Bring, bringing on that competition. Uh, so, yeah, what I would think too with the uh, with the whatnot, even like, okay, so from my, my, my point of view, I always talk about it on the podcast and I feel like I'm, I harp on it a lot. So it's, it's I'm going to sound a little bit like a hypocrite here, but of like doing your research and learning niches and learning what it is you need to be outsourcing and buying. Uh, but I kind of have the things I'm stuck in and I'm not the most experienced reseller because I do this part-time. I'm not as full-time. So I'm going to garage sales mostly. It's mostly looking at fun things that I could potentially sell. When I walk into a thrift store, um, I tend to avoid the clothing racks. It's not what I've gotten into. But the times I do go through some clothing, I just feel like I'm going to have a hard time pulling out 20, 30, 40, 50. You're, you're saying you're selling sometimes 60 items, 100 items at a time um, in, in a show to find that many items uh, in, a, in a thrift store. Like, okay, these jackets are going to sell. These are... So what I'm seeing um, as a, a potentially even a learning experience is even if somebody's not wanting to sell on whatnot, and just being on whatnot and seeing the brand, seeing the types of clothing would probably be really useful. What was it, your strategy to learn the types of items uh, and the types of the brands of clothing, the material of clothing? Like, how did you learn what was selling and what wasn't selling? 100%. And you're hitting it right on the head. So um, I think a lot of people lack that sense of learning. Like, to, to, to learn whatnot, I watched whatnot shows for like two months before I ever went on to whatnot. I would watch different people's shows the successful ones, the non-successful ones, and just like lurk in the background, buy a couple items here and there and just see how people are selling. Um, I, I've been talking a lot on my on my lives about this um, guy named Blazendary who sells, he had a million dollar show yesterday. He sold a million dollars worth of stuff yesterday on whatnot in one show, um, selling shoes. And he just, he has the shoes. I, I have an idea of how he sources them and he's making you know, probably about 10 to $15 profit on each one of his shoes, but he just takes the shoes, 10 seconds, sudden death, go boom, 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 bids, next shoe, 10 seconds, sudden death. And he has people behind him just giving him shoes and running the next shoe. Um, that's what you have to watch. You have to, you have to take pieces from everybody's show, implement them into your show. And that's how you grow on whatnot. Um, and again, I, I think you hit it right on the head, like going there and watching these shows is how you're going to be successful 
learn the brands that are currently selling. Um, everybody always asks me on my lives, like, what brands do you sell and whatnot? What do you not list on eBay? For example, I learned Willis and Geiger from you guys. Willis and Geiger would not sell for much on whatnot because nobody knows the brand. It's too niche. It's vintage. It's for collectors. But something like a North Face down jacket that's really nice, it's a good size, it's an XL, that's going to sell for, for money. Things with like bright, loud patterns like Robert Graham shirts with super bright patterns, typically they sell for around what they sell for on eBay because people know the brand, it's a good size and it's a really good pattern and it just pops on camera. Like when they see it, they only have 15 seconds to bid. So they're like, I better bid on this because I might not get another chance to buy one off of him this show. So um, yeah, you, you learn a lot from watching other people's stuff and, um, and then you just give it a shot. You give it a try. And, uh, the worst that can happen is you fail and then you go back in, you go back to the groundwork, go back to the drawing board and, and try it again a couple weeks, a couple days. And would you say that the, the majority of the people who are buying from you, are these people buying for themselves? Like, like I would say most of my eBay customers are, or do you have a lot of people like hoping to snag items cheaper from you than now they're going to list them on eBay? Like what is your typical customer look like? Okay. So we're still in the building process right now. That's a really good question. We're, we're still in the building process right now. And I think eventually we're going to get like ZK is where we just have people buying for themselves. But I do have a ton of resellers in my shows because that's who my, my target audience is when I'm making my videos is like showing people how to resell these items. So there are items that go for under market. On my live this morning, there was a, a lady who said that she bought um, a uh, purple label Ralph Lauren pair of linen pants from one of my shows for 35 bucks and she sold them for 150 bucks. Um, fortunately for me, that was a consignment item. So that's not something that I technically lost money on. The person who consigned it with me could have sold it on eBay for more, but they probably only paid five bucks for it and they just wanted it out. So yeah, right now, right now we have, we have a little bit of both, but I think with this challenge, with the videos, you get more natural buyers in your shows that are willing to pay a little bit more for items, which will help your shows out in the long run. And again, certain pieces just hit that target audience that you want to go for more. And there's other pieces that I get consigned in that I know are too niche and that are going to go to a reseller, but I'm fine with that because you need some resellers to start your auctions out to get it up to a certain level. And then your natural buyers will push it up higher after that. So you need a little bit of everybody in your auctions. And I think everybody has a little bit of everybody in their auctions. Wow. It's so it's interesting to me because I feel like you and I are going in different directions. <laughs> so I'll explain a little bit. So on my end, I am moving away from clothing. Like I, I don't, I remember the other day I was at garage sale and there was a Patagonia uh, Sherpa lined hoodie and, and I didn't even try. What? I just looked at it and I just kept walking. And that, that's where I'm at these days. Uh, and I'm getting a lot into collectibles and toys and I'm actually doing better in that direction. Uh, I find Right now that like clothing, I, I've kind of just, I, I'm done with clothing in the, unless it's like something super nice, like a, I know, a vintage t-shirt or it's a Willis and Geiger or something that's really valuable. Like I, I don't, there's nothing in me that wants to go down that road. And so I'm thinking about you because I've, I remember, and I put this in one of our questions, that train haul you had, like, I remember you also had a department 56 hall, I think at one time. Like didn't you buy like a trailer full of them or something like that? Yeah. And then you dropped like, I don't know, 4K and a bunch of trains or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was massive. And now that's the kind of things I'm pursuing. <laughs> so I'm in the opposite direction. And because I found that clothing was killing me on eBay. Now, maybe it's true that if I had gone on whatnot, I would be in a different place right now. I mean, I had been saying this since early last year, like I should do whatnot, I should do whatnot. And then I just 
I was too lazy and I did it. So my question to you is, first of all, what happened with those trains? And do you think there's still a viable market for items like trains or video games or whatever? And, and this is, again, your perspective. Everybody has their own different perspective, what works for them, what they source. But I just want to hear, hear your thoughts. First of all, what happened with the trains and where do, where do you think uh, things are going with eBay and as far as that goes? So the train haul, um, I think about 75% of it is still in a storage unit, still needing to be listed. <laughs> that's, 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 that's part of my death pile. I'm here to admit I still have a train death pile, but I have listed a bunch of them. I probably already made all my money back on that train haul. Um, and at this point, I wanted to really get it listed before Christmas this year, but whatnot started like kicking up and then we couldn't get to it. I was actually going to have my mother-in-law start listing those because they're super easy to list. And I'm not even putting, this is what I reached out to Orlando about. I'm not even putting the name brand of the train in there because I can't figure out which name brand they are because they don't have the name brand written anywhere on the train. That's the hardest part about trains. And the, the collector I bought them off of put them in random boxes. So even if it's in like a Lionel box or if it's in like a whatever other brand, there's a bunch Bob of other ones. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't put them in the right box. And for some reason, the trains don't have the name listed on the bottom. So I'm literally just listing them for like $14.99 plus shipping. And I'm just putting HO scale and then the name on the side with the number on the side and listing it and they're selling. So I'm, I'm not going to stop doing that. Um, but I probably will... Um, within the next few months, have mom start listing them again. Um, Cause again, she can list like 50 of them in a day is the great part. And I can keep the eBay store rolling that way while we're doing the whatnot challenge. Um, but again, I probably already made my money back on that deal. I have to go back and look at my spreadsheets and everything like that to figure out exactly how much I made. But um, still have those listed. You mentioned the uh, department 56. So it was Lee max and department 56. I bought a whole um, storage unit full of them from a local guy. And that was my best bulk buy ever. And that was back when Department 56 and Lee Max were selling like hotcakes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I probably made like 20, 30 grand off that deal. And I waited two years to execute that deal. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a good one. I, I, I wish I could find deals like that every single day. And those were actually fun to list. I really like listing the Christmas houses. Um, but yeah, that's, that's those. What was your other question? I forget. Oh, no, my question is, do you think that, do you think that? do it well like is ebay still like if let's say <laughs> let's say you, something happened you couldn't do whatnot right and because right right whatnot is you know this is the horse you're riding all the way to the finish line but let's say you couldn't and you had to go back to ebay because a lot of us are thinking about ebay right and you've had an extensive experience on ebay and i have other questions about your thoughts on clothing <laughs> but uh w- would you continue the clothing or would you go back to collectibles or would you try to be everything store? Where would you land if you had to go back to eBay completely? Completely back to eBay. Well, I would still cross list. I would be eBay Poshmark Mercari is what I would do if I went solely eBay. And I think it is doable. You just have to, you have to know which brands to pick up. So I just bought out an eBay store. We're going to run on whatnot tomorrow. Like I I was going to make a video about it. And I think I still am. And this person told me, I bought the same brands you told me to buy. So I was like, okay, cool. I bought, I looked at a couple of their, on their spreadsheet, a couple of the brands. I was like, cool, this looks good. I get it home and I unpack it and I had to throw away, well, redonate 29 items and probably about 80% of what I'm running tomorrow are not brands I would typically buy. So I think this is where people have the struggle is they're not buying the correct brands. They're not buying the correct pieces that are actually going to sell. For example, I'm um, ask both of you, do you guys pick up Ralph Lauren pieces? Hardly ever, unless it's vintage polo or unless it's purple label. 
if it has a bear, I'll make sure to look at it. But I, I like I would never I, I don't pick up polo shirts. Okay, what about you, Mike? Do you pick up do you pick up Ralph Lauren pieces? Um, I, I pretty much am only a hard goods guy right now. Uh, so I've been avoiding, I've been avoiding, uh, uh, the, the clothing, but because I am so close to some bins now, I'm, I've been tempted. I need to get into the clothing. I need to figure it out, but it's just, uh, there's this mental block that I have. I haven't been able to get over the hurdle yet of just for me, part of it might be the eBay aspect of like doing the sizes and, and checking measurements and, even taking the pictures, it's a little bit more challenging. You know, you got to have a mannequin or a special light box. It's not as, as easy where as I can see something like whatnot being a little bit easier for that. Hmm. Okay. So shout out to my boy, Surf Sub Finds is another guy. Guy should probably interview later on down the road. He's, he's dope. He, I'm, I've heard you mention him a couple of times on the podcast. He's actually in town and I skipped hanging out with him today. Cause I was like, I'm going to be on Pure Also podcast. So I got to get ready for this. So I can't hang out with you, but I'll hang out with you tomorrow. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's down from Indiana and uh, he's hanging out with uh, Ethan, uh, the college reseller or not. He's not college really. He's the Ethan banks. Now he changed his name. But anyways, um, from surfs up finds, I learned how well Ralph Lauren sells. I used to skip it at thrift stores all the time. I used to be like, Ralph Lauren doesn't sell next. And I would go through the racks and I would skip it. And then I saw one of his videos and this is before we were good friends. And he mentioned he sells a ton of Ralph Lauren. So I was like, is this guy legit? And this to all listeners is exactly what you should do. If somebody's saying that they're selling something consistently in their eBay store, go to the eBay store, find out what it is. It's super easy to find and go back, check them, go through and see if they're actually selling the stuff. And him, I go through and the first 10 items, five of them are Ralph Lauren shirts. And I'm like, what the heck? How is he selling these Ralph Lauren shirts? And his model, we I, I coined it the surfs up, uh, surfs up method is he buys Ralph Lauren for $5. It has to be a good print with a pony on the front. Um, newer label, prefer, uh, preferably, but older labels will still sell in letter sizes, not number sizes. Sometimes people don't know that they're a size 16 and a half or a 17, but they know they're a size XL. So that helps the item sell. He buys them for five or under. And he sells them anywhere between $17.99 to $22.99 plus shipping. And he makes an easy $10 profit. So I started doing that mid-year last year. I sold on eBay, Poshmark, and Mercari. I sold 502 Ralph Lauren shirts throughout the year last year. This year on eBay, I've already sold 53 and we're only on the 29th of the month. So that's two per day on eBay. Um, and I've sold 67 on whatnot, doing a total of 120. So I'm doing four Ralph Lauren pieces per day. That's something that people would skip over when they're at thrift stores. But every thrift store you go to has Ralph Lauren shirts. You just got to figure out the right ones to buy and they will consistently sell for you. So if, if I've sold 120 this month, my mortgage payment, which I know some people uh, will be like, my mortgage payment is so much higher, but my mortgage payment is 1160 or 1187. I could pay my mortgage payment from the profit of my Ralph Lauren sales, just my Ralph Lauren sales, nothing else this month. I could pay my mortgage payment from that. So... I think clothing is still viable, but people are picking up the wrong pieces. And that eBay store buyout was a perfect example of somebody who said, I listened to all your videos and I picked up exactly what you told me to pick up. And most of that stuff in there is not what I told them to pick up. Um, so I think people are looking at patterns. They're not focusing on sizes. They're not focusing on fabrics. They're more focused on you know a little piece from here and there. But instead of taking in the whole cake, they're just taking a little slice and you need to take the whole cake when you're talking about you know brands and sizes and all kinds of stuff. Um, but clothing is viable. You just have to learn it. It's hard to learn. 
Okay, hey, I got to throw in an ad real quick. So <laughs> Wayne's talking about numbers, right? And some of you are like feeling exhausted listening to Wayne. Like I'm like, man, I wish I could keep numbers like Wayne. <laughs> uh, but one way that, you know, uh, that I keep up on my numbers is my reseller genie. If you haven't checked out my reseller genie, you should check them out. It allows you to track your profit loss. We got taxes coming up. A lot of people are freaking out about taxes right now. Ease your mind. Sign up for my reseller genie. Use our code Pure Hustle. It'll give you fifteen percent off the first month, and you'll feel a lot better knowing that you can keep track of all your expenses there, and you can actually hand some of that over to your tax person, and you know you can feel secure that you know you got the numbers and you're able to maybe you know deduct a few more things now because you have some evidence. So check out my reseller genie. Use our code Pure Hustle in the link below for fifty percent off the first month. You know, Wayne, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I get that all the time on social media. Oh, like I can't even tell you, you know, when I go on my garage sale runs or thrift store runs now, I'm going back to the thrift store actually, because uh, things are changing here. And, you know, Department 56, let's still throw that out there. I'll say, oh, Department 56 is a good pick. Not all of it. There's like 30% of it, like you should never pick up. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, there, there's some like, uh, I think it's like the Dickens uh, collection and there's some other collections like you need to look these up. But there's some other like Snow Village, which is very profitable and so on. And so, yeah, I, I think it's about, you know, I, I like how you brought up Sir of Fines because, you know, Ralph Lauren. Yeah, definitely. There, there's money to be made, but you have to know what you're looking for. And when I when I started reselling, I'm sure you did the same. Like you would watch the YouTube and you go on source there's a lot of stuff you shouldn't have picked up, but that is very key. I, I like how you keep it real in the sense that sometimes people aren't selling. It's not because they aren't picking up the items. They're just misunderstanding what they're supposed to pick up. And then it sits in their store for a long time or they want too much money. I wanted to come back to, you know, you're talking about, you know, selling something for 35 that could have sold for a hundred. Right. And that, that hurts my soul a little bit, but I'm with you. And, and, you know, for the last year, Mike and I have talked about the idea of gone are the days of waiting for the right buyer and listing higher. Like I don't do that anymore. I list kind of mid range. Now uh, mm -hmm. there are some items I will list higher because I'm like, whatever. But like today I sold the Jersey that I had up for 200 something bucks and I sold it for a hundred. I paid like 10 bucks for it. Like, why wouldn't I take the hundred? I sold a pair of ski goggles that uh, were possibly used in a World Series celebration, but I had no certificate of, of, of authenticity and I paid two bucks for it and somebody offered me a hundred. Like, why am I going to battle that? Right. And use that money and buy something else. And I do think that's killing a lot of resellers. It was killing me. I, for a long time, was waiting for the right buyer. So I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you saying I used to be like Orlando. You don't be like me anymore. Like, be like Wayne. Go fast, Nickel. Move that inventory. There's no better time uh, for that. All right. Hey, let's get into your family a little bit. I, I'm not going to ask you, like, the name of your kids or the ages, but I want to know, you yeah, know. Birth dates and social security numbers, please. <laughs> I'll send them over. But, you know, a lot of people struggle with like getting their spouse involved, right? Some people have spouses that are all in, others don't. Talk to us about the dynamics of your wife now being full time and you guys being around each other all the time reselling. Yeah. So um, my wife actually went full time before I went full time. So um, she was, I think she was just about to have our third and she was working at a daycare and she just wasn't liking it anymore. And she was kind of hinting towards maybe um, helping out a little bit more. And I've always told her, if you 
like when we got to the point where we're making good money on uh, on reselling, I was like, hey, if you wanted to quit your job, you could. You just have to list X amount per day and that would pay off all, all of our bills because I'm listing 10 per day. If you could list 30 per day, we'll make extensively more money doing that. So eventually she got fed up with her job and she was like, drop the hints. And I was like, let's do it. Like I still work at the post office. I can pay all of our bills from, from working at the post office at that time. We'd already paid off our cars. Like I said, we didn't have any, um, any debt except for the house. So, um, she left her job and she started listing every day. She would put 30 up a day while she was pregnant. And, um, it just, it just made things easier on her because everybody knows when you're, when you're all the ladies know when you're pregnant, everything's miserable. So she would be able to stay home and relax and list. And, um, then she had the baby and she was able to, to list a couple per day and still take care of the baby. She didn't have to worry about going into work and taking the baby to work or take, she could take the babies to appointments. So it really helped out that situation. And I think she, she enjoyed it a lot more. When I first started reselling, she hated it. I remember when we, when I first started selling items, I, I was listing items on my kitchen table and she walked up and she said, those items are never going to sell. What are you doing? I'm like, they are. Cause I've, I've, I've sold a couple, they're going to sell. And she's like, that's just a shirt that'll never sell. And, um, then I sold it and I, you know, I, you know, I'd be snarky about it. I'd be like, Hey, that shirt sold just to let you know. And, and, it, and eventually I did one thing that I heard. I don't know if I, I heard it from you guys or somebody else, but I put the eBay app on her phone. And I didn't have her, I told her not to listen and not to do anything on it, but she'd hear the cha-chings during the day. And those cha-chings made her realize how much I was selling because she would see the packages, but it wouldn't click. But she would see, hear the cha-chings and then she would see the packages and it would feel like a full-time business. And then even when I was working at the post office, I had 10, 15 packages going out um, every single day and it, it clicked. And that's when she came on. Um and it's been great. And then after she came on about six months, I think it was about six months later is when I quit the post office and um, I started doing it full time. So now we're both full time resellers. Um, it, I, I think me and her hardly ever butt heads. Um, we've had like one argument ever in our entire relationship. I've been dating her since I was 15. Um, we're high school sweethearts. Um, yeah, we just have a really good, really good connection, really good relationship. And, and reselling has brought us closer now my mother-in-law works with us. So she's able to spend time with us. And, um, she came from uh, working at Walmart. It was stressful. And now I'm able to give her something that can, you know, keep her from, from being stressed. And we get to go out on lunch dates when there's nobody there, you get best deals during the day. Like it's, it's great, but, uh, it took a lot of work to get to that point. Um, and there's a few little tricks, like I said, to, to get them on board, but you have to realize there are some spouses that will never be on board and you should be a hundred percent okay with that. Um, you should try not to let it bring you down, even though I know sometimes it will because they just don't see the dream. But what I'll say is just keep, keep your relationship as kosher as you can. But when it's nighttime and after they've gone to bed, spend a couple hours working on eBay and grow your eBay account, grow your Poshmark, wherever you're selling. And eventually they'll come around, especially if you're especially if you're good at what you're doing and you're making good money at it, they're going to eventually come around. You, If you make more money than you do at your full-time job, reselling part-time, they're going to come around because they're going to see the money coming in. They're going to have more vacations and stuff like that. But it is tough. I, I, hear, I hear a lot of stories on my lives too when I mention this. It's tough, but um, just keep just keep grinding. Just keep grinding. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I love the, uh, the, the family model when that works. I mean, it's, it's 
been, you know, I have a very similar story as far as, you know, getting my wife out of, you know, working full time in corporate America and then getting the opportunity to be home and help with the reselling thing. And uh, she even helps with the podcast sometimes with, you know, whether it's a, a post or some editing and things. So yeah, having that that family working together is is such a cool experience. And, and again, that's one of the reasons why so many of us do reselling is, uh, yeah, money is great. That's obviously like the, the primary motivator of, of what we're doing is if we weren't making money doing it, it would just be a hobby. Uh, but the fact that it also frees up time, it frees up opportunities. Like we get, like you said, the opportunity to just have a lunch date with your family. Like how amazing is that? Most people don't get that opportunity. So those are things that it's it's hard to put a financial like value on. Like this is how much reselling is worth to me because you start adding in all of those other aspects of of your life improvement and and it's 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 almost unreal of what reselling can potentially do. And and that's one of the ways that I think can motivate us too of of why am I doing this? And obviously I need to make the money, but as I make the money, look at all these other benefits I'm getting. Because Orlando, occasionally you talk about, you know, you don't want to do the warehouse work. You'd rather go back to, you know, nine to five almost. But but then again, it's like you, you got to also remember all the other benefits it, that that reselling opens up there. Yeah, hundred percent. I get I get people all the time in my posts. I make those posts that I like. I left my real job as a mailman to resell online, and it like clicks with people. Um, but yeah, people talk about the benefits. So like, I get the comments like, especially on TikTok and Facebook, like, you left the government benefits to do this. You're stupid. And I'm like. Yeah, but you're not seeing the benefits. You're seeing the money benefits and the fact you have to work 40 plus years at a job you hate just to get a small pension at the end and you get retirement. But what if you could do something like this and get the benefits of hanging, being with your family at all times and get the benefits of growing multiple businesses and get the benefits of investing in real estate and get the benefits of having more retirement than you could ever thought of because you worked hard and you did something different that nobody else would have done. They would have stayed at the post office. There's, and I know you talked about this in the beginning. You could talk about the post office and stuff. You want to have a podcast on that. We could do that. But there's a bunch of miserable people that work at the post office, but they work there because they know 40 years or 30 years or 20 years, they're going to have a good pension. But why work a job you hate your entire life for a pension? When you turn 60, 70 years old, you can retire, but then you're 60 and 70 years old and you can't enjoy life. Like, I don't understand the mindset. I never will. And uh, I think people are trained to have that mindset now, but I, I don't want to have that mindset. I'd rather have the benefits, like Mike was saying, of being able to be with my family at all times. That's the main benefit that everybody should be working for. When I appreciate you saying that, because, you know, even when things have been tough, when I sit back and I reflect, I would never trade any of this because I know so many people that are working. So I have so many people to get on my case, like, Orlando, what are you going to do with your retirement? What are you going to do? I'm like, what? So what am I going to do? I'm going to work hard this entire time and not see my kids grow up, not enjoy time with my kids. Next thing I know I'm old and I can't enjoy anything with my kids because I'm too old to enjoy it. Like I'd rather be, I'm not saying I, I'm broke. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm doing okay, but I'm able to spend time with my kids like it, that. That is so valid. I mean, I have an 18 year old right now that's going to go off to college in about six months. And I have no regrets about all the time I got to spend the last four or five years with him. I have a, I have a 12 year old right now that, you know, he's about to be a teenager and I got to enjoy those elementary years. And and yeah, you know, it is a hustle and it is work. But even, you know, let's say you're working 60 to 70 hours a week. That doesn't mean you're not taking breaks and you're hanging out with your kid and you're, you know, I can on a drop go, 
hey, let's go play some, let's go play some basketball, or let's go, let's jump on the switch a little bit, or let's go grab some lunch. Like I can do that. If I was working a full nine to five, my time is very limited. And if something comes up, like I can't hold on to that. So I really appreciate you saying that because I, I think people are very, you know, benefits to me. I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this, but they're a joke. joke. Like you you work so hard. So what, when you're 70, you're going to get, what, $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month? And when you turn 70, $2,000 a month is going to be like nothing. But they're, they're going to be working this hard for $2,000 a month in 40. Like, it just, that doesn't make any sense. It just, yeah. yeah. It doesn't and maybe and maybe I'm foolishly young and, and not wise in saying that at my age of 44. But I'm telling you, like, you could resell in your 70s. Mm-hmm. Right. You can make money in your center if it really things got really bad. But right now, like you said, there's so many opportunities that reselling brings. I never invested until reselling. I never thought about other businesses until reselling. I never thought about doing a podcast until reselling. So that kind of moves into my next question. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the social media, my friend? Like reselling full time is brutal enough. And yeah. but you are a beast. You are live day, I think. Am I, am I wrong about that? Well, yeah, every day, multiple times a day, sometimes because we do a whatnot show, I'll be live in the morning and then I'll do a whatnot show live at night and I'm probably live for like three and a half hours every day minimum. Okay. So how do you balance all that? Yeah. Well, I want to touch on something really quick. When I um, go back to what you were just saying, okay. um, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the merch hoodie. Um, so the big the biggest thing that got me into doing this full time is my mom passed away and I'm going to try not to cry on camera, but my mom passed away and that's why I have the hoodie on spread joy. So we just sold these hoodies on our whatnot auction. We sold um, 55 of them and we gave all proceeds to breast cancer um, awareness, the Florida breast cancer foundation. But she was a big inspiration because she was like everybody else. She worked her entire life and she never got to retire. And when she passed, I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do what she did. She gave me the biggest example in life. Like, ah, man, I won't cry, but yeah, she, she was my biggest inspiration. So yeah. Okay. I'm not going to cry. I promise I'm not going to cry. All right. Um, so what was your other question? Go back into that. I'll take a drink of water. Oh no. How do you, how do you, how do you balance it? Right. I mean, I, I think about Mike and I, like it is tough. Like I try to post several times a day on, on Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter, whatever it is store. I used to, in the early days, I used to do Instagram stories every day. I don't know if you remember the earlier the years of podcast, but I'd be mm-hmm. out there sourcing. I used to do a lot of retail arbitrage. And now my kids have gotten older. I just don't have the time. I have to, I have to give up the time. So how do you, how do you balance the time? Like, do you have a schedule set? Do you have like time where it's untouched? Like this is family time. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. So, uh, I start the mornings out with a, a live and I'll do a shipping live. And that's where I answer a lot of my questions. That's where I get a lot of, a lot of the questions you get when it comes to reselling is how do you ship this? How, how, how do you pack that? Um, those kind of questions. And I'll answer other questions during those lives, but um, I'll, I'll go live for about an hour in the morning, answer questions, ship out orders. Typically when that's happening, mom's doing some eBay listings and Kayla's putting some stuff away in inventory or working on a whatnot show, loading it up, stuff like that. So I start the day off like that. Um, after that, um, like I said earlier, I, I do some listings after that. Family time comes into play at like 2.30, 3 o'clock when my first round of kids come home. My, my two daughters come home from school and I'll work a little bit during that time, but I'll also go spend some time with them. And then my son comes home at four. 
And then no work gets done. Cause as soon as he gets home, everybody on live knows when he stays home from school, when he's sick, it's like a tornadoes in the house. Like he's, he's all over the place. He's in here. Dada. He's all over the place. Um, and then when it comes to um, 7.30, that's when he goes to bed and I'll get back on um, videos. That's why we do our live shows at 8.30 because he's typically in bed at that time. Um, but yeah, that's my schedule. Before I started doing whatnots every single night, I would do a live in the morning and a live at night. I would do shipping live in the morning and a Q&A and a listing live at night. Just hang out, get some listings done and talk to chat and answer some questions. Um, I will say... I don't know if you've seen some posts um, that Gary Vee has put out recently, but he's telling people that you should be live all the time. That's what people want. They want to see. I wish when I was coming up, I could see Mike and Orlando's day in the life live. Like I could see you guys do what you're doing. Um, some of the big dogs like Rally Roots, Thrifter Sifter. I wish I could see what their day is. Um, and uh, I think people people lack that people don't know like what an average day for resellers. And I try to give them that. I try to show them the raw realness, like who I am in my videos is who I am on live at all times. Um, and that's how you guys are pure, authentic, pure also podcast. Um, but yeah, that's like my typical schedule. And, and, and again, I think live video is going to blow up in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be, everybody's going to be doing live video. I'm doing live video when I do my shipping live in the morning, I'm live on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube all at the same exact time, answering questions from all different platforms. And then those videos get uploaded as full-length videos, and then people can rewatch them at any time. I think that's going to be huge in the next few years. And I think a lot of people aren't aren't seeing that yet, but I can see it. I, I know it's going to be huge. All right, I take back what I said at the beginning of the podcast where I said that... Uh... It was an audacious goal for you to get the 130,000. I mean, after talking to you more, and, and I'll be honest, I don't watch or consume lots of reselling content. Um, you know, being being in the 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 field, you know, I feel like I, you know, I'm producing it. And so I try and separate my other like interests in life. But um I so I don't see tons of your your work and the content you're putting out, but it's clear like you're you're hustling and you're grinding. And and I remember beginning Pure Hustle Podcast, Orlando and I would start, and it was like you know, we were, we were recording for hours. Sometimes we'd record like, you know, three to four episodes for the week, you know, two a week, two episodes every week, hour and a half long and nobody was listening. Nobody. Right. But like we were putting in the work, we were putting in the work and that was tough. And to see like what you're doing, like, and for how long you've done it, um, it's, it's clear that, that you're going to be successful. I mean, you probably had to do, you know, months to years of social media where you were, you were going live on TikToks and stuff and you were barely getting anybody and you were building the brand. You were building what you needed to do in order to be successful. So, uh, man, I mean, I, I have no doubt that you can do it. You could get the 130 in, in 130 days. Cause, uh, you know, that's the dedication it takes to get there. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's super impressive. And so that's one thing I want to just encourage our listeners is, you know, if this is a route you want to go down, if you want to say like, Hey, I want to, you know, maybe it's not tomorrow, but over the next year, I want to build myself to the point where I could, you know, make a full-time living on whatnot or buying items and selling, or maybe building up a social media presence is, you know, Wayne didn't get here overnight. Like he got here by, by grinding it out for hours and hours at a time. And, and with the vision, like you said, of it's, I'm selling things for cheaper today so that next year I can sell these items at a higher price. 
And so you're you're watching that trajectory and you're thinking about the future. And, and I always remember I was told you get paid today for what you did five years ago. And I'll never forget that. I think about that all the time, that a lot of times you're putting in work and you don't see the benefit of it. And what separates the people who are going to be successful from the people who give up are the people who think that they should be getting paid today for the work they're doing today, as opposed to, I have to build this. And so, um, you know, I guess I don't really have a question with this other than, man, I'm, I'm super impressed. I think it's uh, amazing to see uh, what you've done so far with reselling. I appreciate it. Yeah. The, the you hit it on the head. The, the, I used to have days when I had five people on my TikTok live, I was live for three hours. I was just listing. I, I just had the live next to me and I was bored. Like when you don't work a full-time job, you don't have people to talk to. So you need some, somebody to talk to and, there's five people every night that would come in and then there was 10 and then there was 20 and then there was 80 and now there's a couple hundred in every single live. But I will say this, if, those of you who are thinking about growing social media and again, touching on the live, there's different kind of followers. Uh, I call them regular followers and sticky followers. The sticky followers are the ones that come from lives because they can interact with you just like you guys are interacting with me right now. We can have natural conversations. It's back and forth. You can ask me the questions. I can give you answers in real time. That makes a sticky follower. There's a lot of huge accounts right now that have tons of followers that go live and don't even get close to the amount of people in their lives because they don't have sticky followers. Did you have somebody that clicked on a video and hit follow, but never came back to another video? And I have people that consistently come back and watch every video and that are in every single live. So if you want to grow a natural sticky audience, live videos, 100% all day. I wish this was live right now. We could be talking to chat and having a good time. Like that's, that's how you should, that's how you should do it. You can pull questions. I've done interviews. You can pull questions from lives and just keep the chat going, like keep the conversation going. It's, it's, it's yeah. Live video for sure. We are headed in that direction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And honestly, I think uh, we might have you on again, not as an interview, but just as like a a third third chair on one of our lives, because that would be a a ton of fun. I mean, clearly, you've got the experience and uh, and you know what you're talking about. Honestly, you bring a a perspective that is different and unique uh, compared to Orlando and compared to me because you know we we have our strengths and our our experiences and you're doing something that um, I don't know of other resellers doing I'm sure the field that you're in you know other resellers who are doing what you're doing because this that's where you're saturated in uh, but you know based off of our listeners the people who follow Pierso podcast um, I would say most of them are not doing that and and they're kind of leaving a lot on the table because it seems like whatnot and and the type of uh, selling that you're doing is got a huge potential. Uh, if they're willing to put in the work for that. Yeah. Oh, agreed. So I got a couple more questions. Then I know you got to, you have a regular life to move on to. It's I got all night. I'm here at Pure podcast. I could be on all night. I don't care. So, you know, what cracks me up is you mentioned your lives. And I remember I would join you on the lives on TikTok. I don't know, like maybe a year ago, six, I don't know when it was. And I remember you would always be like, Oh, I'm so honored to have you on. But now I'm, I'm a small fry. Like I come in, like, who's this oh. guy? Like, I'm oh. so glad Wayne brought him on, you know? <laughs> so, anyways, um, but where do you see reselling? Where do you see it headed? I mean, we went through a glory time of 2020 was, I think, the best year for everybody. 2021 kind of it bled into. But now we're in an interesting time. Where, where do you see things in the next few years? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of resellers that, like you were saying, are going to have a tough year this year because they're not used to selling in like a, a down market. I'm not used to selling a down market. I didn't sell back in the day when we had a recession. I know people don't call this a recession, but we're, we're in tough times right now. Um, but I think people are going to have to adjust their businesses, like I said before, and possibly sell stuff cheaper to get through this time and do more volume sales than before they, they used to. But 
I think it's doable, um, especially in the market we're in. We're selling pre-owned and used goods. I think what most of your audience uh, is doing that. Those are the things that are going to sell in a down economy because people are still going to want to spend their paychecks. They don't want to go to work and then have to spend it all on bills and not spend anything on like luxury or pleasure items. So they're they're still going to buy you know, shirts and, and pants and stuff like that or collectibles. But again, you might have to sell them for a little bit less than you were selling them in 2021 and 2020 when people were getting money just sent to their bank accounts for free from the government. Like that, that was the glory times. That's what the golden years, everybody talks about that. I think we're heading back into a, a little bit of a down market, but more into a, like a natural selling market where you're just, just going to have to go with the flow and and do what, do what is best. Like um, we are definitely in a time where you have to make it happen. Like there are no choices at this time. Like you have to keep moving. And so this is kind of where we're at at this moment. And so, uh, Wayne, I really do appreciate you sharing that because I do think that is where we're at. So, Wayne, I think, are you back or did I disappear? Who disappeared here? It was you. you we were good. Uh, we were good. Uh, uh, well, I, I had a whole monologue I was going on agreeing with Wayne because <laughs> uh, I thought I lost you, you guys. That is hilarious. So you're going to have to though. edit that mic. <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry. I'll, I'll work. I'll work my magic. I guess that's one of the benefits of uh of of not being live. Actually, it makes more work for me, man. I, I you're right. I wish this was live too. Because oh, then this, uh, this is where we you just know. make fun of them during this time. That's all we would do. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, I would put that time down because I literally was going on this whole diatribe. Like, yes, Wayne, I agree with you because I thought you guys disappeared, but I'm the one that disappeared. That is yeah. hilarious. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. And any any advice that maybe we haven't touched on something that you know when when we talked the other day you were like you know I really want to share this with the audience any anything you think that would be really important maybe that we've not touched upon or something you just want to share um I don't know I don't I don't really have uh anything that comes to mind um yeah, I don't really have anything. I think I think uh, we touched a lot on like selling clothing right now. I think I, I hear it a lot from your podcast. I hear a lot from other people and say that clothing isn't really moving as well. I think <laughs> it's moving well if you pick up the right items. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything for that question. I'm, I'm more of a well, ask. You brought. Me. Yeah, I get, it, I get it. But you've brought a lot to this podcast. I learned myself. I was motivated myself. I, you answered a lot of questions I had, and I'm sure a lot of of our listeners have too. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to hit that like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, and you're over on the podcast site, come on over to YouTube. Uh, Wayne, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's, uh, it's not going to be the last time. We're definitely going to have you on again, and uh, just appreciate you taking the time. Mike, did you want to add something there? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just want to, you know, reiterate that I, I'm 100% serious. I'd love to go, uh, to go live with you, Wayne. I think you're a sharp guy that brings a lot of motivation and, uh, and experience. And so, um, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you, you've got the, uh, the, the pupil outdoing the master. And I think that's where, uh, we're at here is the, what, what's the, what's the saying like the, you know, the Padawan has become the master now. So man, to go from listening to Pierce podcast back in the day to us being like, Tell us more about that, please. You know, it's it's, yes, it's just cool to see. Um, and, and again, it's just one of those things like everybody has different strengths and abilities and interests. And I firmly believe that no matter what you're interested in, uh, if you're willing to hustle hard enough and 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 be wise with what you're doing, you can capitalize on it. And you could probably make a full-time living doing just about anything uh, if you're willing to to figure out how to do that. Uh, so man, uh, what a what an inspiration. Thanks for uh for being on, Wayne. We really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you guys. So before we say goodbye, where can we find you? 
Oh, uh, social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Um, I want to touch on something that Mike just said real quick too. Um, I see a lot of people that comment on my videos and say, I can't do it because I want you guys to think I can do this because somebody else is doing it. And how did they get to that point? Um, and, and, and truly, truly believe that I, like I said, if I watch a video and I see somebody doing something, I should be able to do it too. I might just have to work a little bit harder than that person did. And, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of excuses, but, um, and I see it all the time on socials. That's the bad thing about being on socials, but, um, I think everybody can do whatever they set their mind to, but yeah, you can catch me anywhere. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I do lives every morning shipping, like I said, around 10 30 AM Eastern standard time. So feel free to hop in the chat, ask as many questions as you want. I'm an open book. I'll give you numbers, whatever you need. Um, and I, I really enjoy having uh, everybody on there and, uh, thank you guys again for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. And I hope everyone uh, enjoyed their time. I'm looking forward to the next time. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be recently. Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>